Thank you for being a part of our church service today. It is our desire at Riverstone Church that God's Word will work in you to produce an abundant field life. To know more about the ministry or to support, visit riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you today as you listen to this message. Let's stand together and read uh, from the Word of the Lord, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Colossians 3, uh, verses 1 through 17. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience, and in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside, anger and wrath and malice and slander and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all and in all. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all to the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you would bless the public reading of your word. We thank you for your presence that is here by the Holy Spirit of God. Lead us and guide us into your truth, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 may be seated. Uh, If you weren't here last Sunday, it was just such a wonderful, sweet uh, move of uh, the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're gracious, uh, we're thankful for God's gracious work in us and, and, and through us and thankful for people who are moved on by the Holy Spirit and are obedient uh, to his word. Um, I, I, I don't remember what context I was, I was sharing it in, but um, when I think about this fellowship, I think about each of you, uh, there is just a, a love of the Lord. I love being in fellowship with you. I love being in uh, church with you. I love you individually and your heart for the Lord. And uh, that is something that only, only the Lord can, can bring. And last week was just such a sweet presence uh, of God. And I'm just grateful, 
grateful for it. However, I did not get all the way through the message, and I feel like the Lord would have us to uh, rest in this message a little bit, and so I wanted to continue. So I'm going to review the first part of it and press home uh, the the second portion uh, of uh, the message, because I believe it's critical uh, to where the Lord desires for us to go as brothers and sisters in the Lord. As I mentioned to you last week, uh, I do believe that there is a mysterious union uh, between the uh, human will and the sovereign spirit uh, of God, that we, we are required to act and interact uh, uh, with the Lord, that there is a requirement on us, but there's also this sovereign grace of the Lord. And somehow, some way that I can't fully explain and I can't fully understand uh, uh, in my mind, there is this union between the sovereignty of God and our will as individuals, our, uh, what, what some theologians say is our free agency, our ability to make choices and decide. There is a union, mysteriously uh, between that and God's grace and God's uh, sovereignty. And so when the Bible speaks about you and I, when we talk about you know, the rocks that we've been talking about in our life, when we talk about that, it is a grace of God at work within us that helps us to step out of, step away from, move out of a life that is controlled uh, by sin. But there is also a requirement for us to act in accordance with the scriptures that call us also as individuals to step away from sin. So there is this union between God's work in us to deliver us from iniquity and deliver us from sin, but also in a, 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 in a, um, a movement, a, a, a pressure within us of moving the will to actually live in holiness. There's this union between a desire within us to be holy and God's grace at work creating in us the holiness that he desires. A union mysteriously between the grace of God and the desire that you and I should have to work out personal holiness in our life. I believe that one of the precursors as we look at the history of revival is a people who are repentant, a people who have repented over sin, a people who desire to be free from the bondage of sin. In fact, we hear of, of many of the more recent revivals. They begin by these prayer meetings, and as the, the, the prayers are lifted to the Lord, the Lord brings a sense of, of repentance, of crying out to God for holiness in our life and, and holiness in who we are before him. And people begin confessing and repenting of sin. And as people begin confessing and repenting of sin, the grace of God floods their heart and they're delivered from sin. And it, it is the, the precursor for this true and lasting revival. And when we read through the scriptures, you cannot read through the scriptures and not think that God does not desire for you and me to be holy as he is holy. He desires for us to live a lifestyle of holiness before him. We have a true belief in Jesus as Savior 
then that, that righteousness of God is imputed to us and there ought to be a change of affections from the desires and things of the world to the desires and things of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that you and I may not continue to stumble or may not continue to struggle in one way or another, but what it does mean is that our, our compulsion, our desire, our focus, our earnestness is towards pleasing the Lord and being in his presence and longing after him and getting away from the old dead man of sin. <clears throat> John Newton, who wrote a hymn that we all so love, Amazing Grace, wrote another hymn that says, I am from sin set free. Let worldly minds the world pursue. It has no charms for me. Once I admired its trifles too, but grace hath set me free. Its pleasures can no longer please nor happiness afford. Far from my heart be joys like these. Now I have seen the Lord. As by the light of opening day the stars are all concealed, so earthly pleasures fade away when Jesus is revealed. Creatures no more divide my choice. I bid them all depart. His name, his love, his gracious voice have fixed my roving heart. What Newton is talking about here in this hymn or poem of praise to the Lord is that he has set his eyes upon the Lord and in setting his eyes upon the Lord, the things of the earth are becoming more and more behind. No longer do they entice him. No longer does he long after them. No longer does he desire them. But it's the grace of God, the name of Jesus, the love of God that had fixed his once roving, wandering heart. The Apostle Paul talks about making our calling and election sure. Well, one of the ways that we can evaluate our calling and election is looking at the affections of our heart. Where do the affections of our heart lie? What do we strive after? What do we long after? When the grace of God has met you and you have been set free and you have a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ, the earthly pleasures begin to fade away. I'm convinced in our day when we cry out for revival, that revival tarries because often we find individuals in the church, and when I say the church, I mean uh, the pulpit as well, have grown weak in the fight against sin. The pleasures and enticements of the world continue to have a draw on us. And Colossians here, many other passages of Scripture, this isn't the only one, but Colossians gives us an understanding of what it means to walk in the holiness of Christ. And you and I ought to long for that place in our life where earthly pleasures and enticements fade away. That's what we ought to long for. Part of our prayer and our prayer time in the altar and our, and our prayer time corporately together and your prayers in the morning and your prayers in the evening, your prayer ought to be, God, let the worldly enticements fade away. God, set my eyes on things above. Keep my 
focus on you that I'm not turned aside. Again, us working with the power of God. It is all because of his grace, all because of his glory. But in some way, you and I must be striving towards the holiness that the Lord requires. And as a point of of review, again, from last week, Paul tells the Colossians church in the first verse of chapter 3 to keep seeking things above. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. 1 Corinthians 2 and 14 says, The natural man does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. That there has to be a sense that you are setting your mind on spiritual things. We live in a natural world. We dwell on a natural world. Much of what uh, we think about and our brain processes is in the existence of what we can touch and feel and see. But the Bible tells us that there is an existence that is beyond this natural realm that you and I have to reckon with. And we should set our mind on the things above. So how do we set our mind on things above? We have to grasp a concept of the treasure that we're seeking. Imagine this morning if I were to say to you, there is a treasure chest here in Charlottesville. And in that treasure chest in Charlottesville, I guarantee you it's in this city. And it is enough money for you to provide for yourself and your entire family for as long as you can imagine. And here is the map right here. Which one of us would not take it and focus our attention on going to find the treasure? There's not one of us. If there was a guaranteed treasure at the end, there's not one of us who is in our right mind (laughs) who would not take the treasure map and focus our attention because everything else would then become secondary. In the spiritual realm, when we have that initial taste, initial glimpse of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we see his glory and we see his grace in our life that uh, forgives us and desires to cleanse us from our iniquity and sin, he is our treasure, and this is our treasure map. And we must invest ourselves in looking to the treasure map so that we can fully comprehend and understand the glorious nature of the treasure that you and I are seeking. We must keep our minds focused on things above. The enemy wants you to focus on other things, focus on natural problems, focus on material problems. Husbands and wives, focus at one another, get upset with one another. I remember uh, many of you know, dear brother, uh, Jack uh, Griffin. We pray for Sister Jean uh, Griffin. We love them both very, very much. And I remember as he was teaching one time and and sharing, and he was talking about uh, Sister Jean loving the Lord, and he was kind of still sort of in the, in the world a little bit, and they would get fussing at one another, and she wouldn't fuss back at him, but she would go to the bedroom and begin to pray. She would go and shut the door and begin to pray and seek the Lord. And he said, over time, what I learned was that when she went to the bedroom to pray and seek the Lord, I was the one that was going to come under conviction. So when she started to turn her eyes toward the bedroom door, I was going to be the one that immediately began repenting and asking for forgiveness. (laughs) Because she knew the battle was spiritual, 
not natural. A spiritual battle. Keep seeking things above. For you have died and your life is hidden with God in Christ. Verse 5, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to sin. You are dead to sin. Put away the sinful thinking and the sinful actions before you. In your mind, consider the members of your body, the wickedness that entices you, the other things as dead to you. Not just the things, the actions that we may take, but it's also the thoughts that we think. Jesus made a statement. He said, whoever looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery. So the spiritual life, the thought life is a spiritual battleground. The thought life is a spiritual battleground. So we must consider wicked thoughts as dead to sin. We must fully renounce the old sinful ways and consider, think about, process. The old man is Dead. The old man is dead. Do you believe that? Verse 10. Put on the new self who is being in the process of continually being renewed according to a true knowledge of Jesus, a real relationship with God, and in accordance with his image, the image of God being holiness. You think about Abraham, who spoke of often in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the father of Israel. The Bible says that Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Even there was no reality of the promise in sight, it was only the spoken word of God, even though it was an impossibility. You see, the promise was for Abraham to be a father of a great nation, yet he and Sarah, his wife, had no children, and they were old, and it was an impossibility according to the natural realm for it to come to, uh, for it to, come to pass. But the Bible says that Abraham believed God that he and Sarah would have a son, and it was credited to him at, as righteousness. Now, if you read the story of the life of Abraham, him, you realize he wasn't a perfect person. Even after the promise was given, he wasn't a perfect person, but the Bible tells us over and over again that he believed the promise of God. He believed what God had spoken. And you and I must also believe God that when we have come into fellowship with Christ, his righteousness is imputed to us according to our belief in the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I emailed you this week. Hopefully you're on our email list. I shared them last week. I'm going to share them again this week. These are things that you and I must believe about ourselves. John 1 and 12. I am God's child. Do you believe it? Do you believe that you are God's child if you have come into fellowship and relationship with Jesus? Do you truly believe, according to 1 Corinthians 6 and 20, that you belong to God? 
Do you truly believe, according to Romans 5 and 1, that I have been justified? Do we truly believe, according to John 15 and 15, that we are Christ's friend? Think about it. Do you believe it? Or has the enemy sold you a bill of lies? Now, you can't possibly be Christ's friend. You've done too much, been away too long. You can't possibly be Christ's friend. Well, do you believe? Do you believe, according to Philippians 3 and 20, that you are a citizen of heaven? Do we believe, according to Ephesians 1 and 4 and 11, that you have been chosen before the creation of the world? Do you believe, again, according to Ephesians 1.4, that you are holy and blameless? This is a hard one to chew, isn't it? Because we realize our own iniquity. We realize our own shortcomings. We realize the secrets that lie within even the deepest recesses of our heart. And yet the Bible says that we are holy and blameless according to the work of Christ. Do we truly believe that and receive it? Or do we accept the bill of goods from the enemy that you will never make it? You will never be free. There will never be a change that you will always be like you've always been. Or do you accept and believe that you are holy and blameless, that you've been adopted as the child of the Lord, according to Ephesians 1 and 5? Do you believe, according to 1 Corinthians 15 and 57, that you are victorious? I shared last week the most miserable place to be as a believer who continues to be bound. Reading the Bible and seeing people loosed, captives set free, people being set free, people being transformed, things happening, and believing in God. Yes, I believe in Jesus. Yes, I understand. Yes, I, I understand what the Bible says, but never experiencing freedom yourself. The most miserable place to be. And I want to assure you this morning and affirm to you this morning, as sure as I'm standing here, that I firmly believe, according to the word of the Lord, that there is freedom in Christ. He did come to set the captives free. He did come to loose people from the bonds of iniquity. He did come to transform people's lives. He did come to set us free. He did come to break the chains that tend to hold us back and to bind us and to keep us in sin and iniquity. According to 1 Corinthians 15 and 15, we are victorious through Christ Jesus. You can be victorious and he can set you free. According to 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, you are a new creation. According to Colossians 1 and 13, we have been delivered. According to Romans 8, 2 and John 8 and 32, we are set free. According to Ephesians 2 and 13, we have been brought near to God through Christ's blood. According to Ephesians 2 and 14, we have peace with God. Ephesians 2.18, we have access to the Father. God wants you to come to him. Yes. He wants you to come into his presence. Yes. He wants you to enter in to experience his grace and his love. He wants you to come to him. But what happens when you sin? The same thing that happened to Adam and Eve. We want to hide. When you stumble, when you fall, 
The very thing that you ought to do, the very thing that you should do is run to God. Be in his presence, be in his word, ask him for his grace in your life. But the enemy, he entices you with sin. Come sin. Come do this thing. It'll feel good. You'll you'll think good about it. Come on, come on, come on, come on. And the moment you step into it, now the enemy is foolish, stupid, told you you weren't going to stand strong, told you you're still bound, told you. That's the work of the enemy. No, he's an astute observer of human history. Come, come on. It'll feel good. You'll enjoy it. It'll be nice. The moment it happens, condemnation and guilt. That's the enemy. That is the enemy of your soul. And if we're going to battle the spiritual battle, we have to recognize it as such. Push against the enticement of come, come, come. And if by some chance we're not strong enough by the grace of God and we, and we succumb to the temptation of the enemy, when his guilt and condemnation comes, at least have sense enough to run to the word of God. This is why I've said before, in this church, in this place, it doesn't matter to me what sin you may come with or what things may hide in the deep recesses of your heart. We are all created in God's image. And what we want to see here is people who have been set free. We want to see people who are free by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter if you need accountability for whatever the sin may be. You're scared to say it, scared to talk about it. Talk about it to somebody. Talk about it to somebody who's going to stand with you. Talk about it to somebody who's going to pray with you. And if they talk about you behind your back, talk to somebody else. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And say they're all like that. You got to walk through this life in the grace and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if somebody's going to sit around and point their finger and laugh behind your back and whatever else, so be it. Find somebody else who won't. Find somebody else who won't. We are members of God's household. We are secure according to Ephesians 2 and 20. Understanding who we are in Christ helps us to know how to put on the new self. Do not accept the lies of the enemy, the lies at times that rest in our own mind that tell us that the work of Christ is not strong enough to overcome your sin or your shame or my sin or my shame. His power is greater enough. Paul goes on in Colossians and he says, put on a heart of compassion. If we have this new nature, if we believe, even though in the natural realm, it may not be fully manifest. If we believe we have been delivered, if we believe we have been set free, then we should put on a heart of compassion and act according to the new nature and the new belief. Compassion, he says, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another. Don't complain against one another, but forgive one another. When I hold bitterness or unforgiveness, it destroys you more than it destroys the other person. Holding grudges destroys you. Act in genuine 
compassion for others. When you do this, it is the work of Christ within you. You'll remember several years ago up in Pennsylvania, uh, I don't, I'm not debating you know, Amish theology, but uh, you'll, you'll remember that there was an Amish school shooting where several people in a schoolhouse uh, were taken hostage and several of them lost their lives uh, by an armed in, intruder. And shortly after that, days after that, in fact, the families of those who were murdered were offering forgiveness to the one who committed the crime. The world outside couldn't understand. I remember uh, watching a news report on it. It's kind of like, what is this? How can you do this? Putting on a heart of compassion, putting on a heart of love. It is love that brings unity. I'm always reminded of John uh, chapter 13. And what Jesus prayed in John chapter 13, we want, to, we want to evangelize the world. We want to evangelize our city. We want to evangelize uh, Me. We want to evangelize our community. Yes, we want to do that. You know, one of the primary ways that we can do that, one of the primary ways that we can do that is by expressing a true, genuine love for one another right here in this room. Jesus said in John 13, Judas is out of the picture. He's already gone. He's already on his way to betray Jesus. In John 13, Jesus has the 11, the ones who believed in him, the ones who believed he was the Messiah. And he said, those on the outside are going to know that you're believers in me by the way you treat one another in here. Your love for one another will the outside know that you are my disciples. By the way, we love one another here in this room. By the way, you and I care for one another, show compassion for one another, are long-suffering with one another, putting on a heart of love. The love of God among believers is one of the most powerful evangelistic tools to tell the outside world that we are different. Did you listen to the news this week? Are we, are we different in here? Of course we are. Of course we're different in here. We're not going to be like that because the love of Christ is at work within us. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, the first part of verse 16. Let Christ's word dwell in you richly. Spend time in the word of God. Spend time meditating upon the word of God, thinking about the word of God. If you have a block of being in God's word, I just can't do it. I just can't, you know, I just not, uh, I, I can do other things, but getting in God's word, I just never really kind of uh, am able to, to get the time to do that. Something always comes up. That's a spiritual block. I want to tell you it's a spiritual fight that you're going through. You need to recognize it as it is. Sometimes it's just the, the, the importance of getting down and being disciplined to make a schedule in order to get in your word. But I want to tell you, if it's perpetual and you can't uh, seem to break it, there's something spiritual that's going on that's trying to keep you from the word of God. Again, recognizing that there are spiritual forces arrayed against us. What is the enemy's tactic when the Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly? What do you think one of the tactics of the enemy would be? To not let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What did our sister read this morning when she was praying? Our struggle was not against flesh and blood. 
Paul's very emphatical on that. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what our, our wrestling is against. Well, do we believe that? If we believe that, when we find in ourselves that we're just kind of, we get up in the morning and there's other things that take precedence and we don't have time, and I don't have time at night, and I don't have time in the day, and I don't have the, the willpower to turn it on and listen to it, at least in my car on my way to work, there's a spiritual block that's happening. The enemy doesn't want the word of Christ to dwell in you richly. Because as the word of Christ dwells in you richly, deliverance will come. It will come. It will come. It will come. And so you have to pray and ask God to break any bondages or any strongholds that are keeping you out of the word of God. You have to ask the Lord to show you any place where there is a, 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 a spiritual influence in your life that is taking your time away from what God desires for you. Letting the word of Christ dwell on you richly. Admonish one another. We're, 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 we're moving to the end here. Admonish one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. One person suggested that we can identify psalms as songs based on Scripture, hymns as songs about Christ, and songs as spontaneous compositions prompted by the Spirit. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I want to encourage you to sing as loudly as you can to the Lord. <laughs> you know, I'm self-conscious about my singing voice. I'll tell you that. I'm self-conscious about my singing voice. But there's something that happens when we open our mouth and sing unto the Lord. And brothers, I will tell you, the enemy tries to steal your singing voice particularly. We'll see a lot of ladies who are willing to lift up and sing to the Lord, but sometimes brothers just sit there with their mouth shut. I think it's a shame because there is a beauty to singing as unto the Lord and songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Some of these old hymns, the one I mentioned earlier, John Newton, I was reading some this morning from John uh, Wesley, some of these old hymns that were written years and years ago, it's good to go back and maybe read some of the, the poetry from them to learn how to sing them again. You know, hymn books were written in times past, Brother, Brother Chuck could tell you, I'm sure more than I can, but uh, hymn books were written in the past, the little shape notes were there to help, that somehow they were learning how to, how to know how to sing that when, when people uh, weren't able necessarily even to read or otherwise they could sing the words of the Lord. They would remember singing as unto the Lord, speaking to one another about the message of Christ, the word of God in songs. It's always been a central component of the church, singing. It frustrated me so uh, 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 so badly when I started hearing of, uh, of, of, of people saying, you can't sing in church anymore. It's a central component to who we are as the people of God. It's central to who we are. Singing, making melody in our heart. Finally, verse 17, whatever you do, do in the name of the Lord, giving thanks through Jesus to God the Father. Our effort, our energy in private and in public should be done as an offering unto the Lord 
Jesus Christ. God desires for you and I to be free, to live a life of freedom, to live in holiness. If we want to see community transformation, God is desirous for you and I to begin at a personal level and personal transformation. Personal transformation. As God works within us and as we work with the Lord in that mysterious way of pressing into him and seeking him and praying and hiding his word in us in our heart that we wouldn't sin against him as we're digging the rocks up, then we can effectively dig the ditches that we'll talk about next week in order to receive the water of the Holy Spirit in our community and in our land. Stand with me as we pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your grace and mercy upon our lives today. Jesus, uh, we ask you, God, to, to indeed break, break every chain, every bondage, every, every stronghold, Lord, that is here. God, I, I pray, Lord, that today by helping us uh, by your grace to be able to maybe see that our enemy is, is not even against ourselves and against our, our, our fleshly desires necessarily, it is, it is against the enemy of our soul. The enemy who continues to entice, the enemy who continues to condemn, that our battle has to be against him. And we have to pick up all of the armor that was read to us. What a beauty. We didn't even talk about that scripture being read this morning, but it was, it was read, Lord, as, as an example to us of how we are supposed to arm up in order to fight the battle of faith, Lord Jesus, to know that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but our battle is against the wickedness of the enemy that seeks to come against and that seeks to destroy. Yes, I understand there are some instantaneous deliverances in this life. Yes, yes, I've seen it. I believe it. I stand firm in that conviction that God is able by His grace to instantaneously deliver. But I also believe that there are some who must walk with the power of the Spirit day by day, refusing what is wrong, setting their minds on things above, setting their focus towards the Lord Jesus Christ, hiding the Word of God within their heart, dwelling on the Lord Jesus Christ in order that their mind would not dwell on other things. That there are times when we need to walk hand in hand with other brothers and sisters to help us to be faithful to hold us accountable. But never for one moment should we doubt the promise of God that those who are in Christ Jesus have been set free. Those who are in Christ Jesus were bought with a price. Those who are in Christ Jesus are called to live a life of holiness before the Lord. Those who are in Christ Jesus have a place in eternity in heaven. Those who are in Christ Jesus are to persevere. Help us, Lord, we pray. Lord, I pray that even as we are here, that you would examine every heart. Every heart in this place, my heart included, Lord God, examine every heart. Let the love of Christ abide within us. Let the love of Christ in this moment flood every single heart, O oh Lord. 
as your love fills us, Lord Jesus. If there needs to be confession, con confession, co uh, confession is a grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're, if you're sensing conviction this morning, you're sensing conviction of sin, God's, God's grace is being poured out to you in this moment. Confess it to the Lord. Don't be afraid. Confess it to Jesus. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's his word. That's the promise. Do you believe it this morning? Say, I've tried it before. I've done it a hundred times. Do it 101. Do it 102. Do it 103. Let God's grace be at work within you. God, I pray you would heal hearts this morning. Lord, wounds. God, the desire why you have called us to be set free, why you have called us to live a life of holiness is that we will be your holy agents here on the earth. That we will pray and we will intercede, Lord, as we've talked about. We prayed this morning. We're praying for communities, Lord, around us, God. We're praying for the gospel to go forth, Lord. Well, you're calling a holy people, Lord, to labor in those vineyards. So, God, we desire to be that church on mission, that group of people on mission together seeking you earnestly, longing after you, Lord Jesus, seeing souls saved, seeing others released from darkness, seeing others having bondages broken, Lord Jesus. We desire that, oh God, and so we pray by your grace that even right here, Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that continues to, to dwell, continues to live in that awful, awful place, Lord, of being bound in sin, God, I pray that they would be loosed in the name of Jesus that we can be on mission together, that a community can hear the words of hope, oh God. Amen. That churches can be established and people can worship you, God, and they would lift up their voices in song and in praise to you. Lord, we thank you so much for your grace today. Certainly if you're here this morning and you desire prayer, there is things maybe you've been struggling with. You say, I need a brother or a sister to stand with me. These altars are open for you. Someone will stand with you. Someone will pray with you. Someone will intercede with you. You say, I need someone to stand with me. I've struggled for a long time. I struggle with perception of who I am in Christ. Maybe you don't feel saved this morning. You need the assurance of the Lord that you are saved. You need the assurance of the Lord that you are saved in Christ. You need someone to stand with you and pray with you to get the assurance that you are in Christ. Lord, I pray today in the spirit realm, you dig up some rocks in our life. Expose them, Lord, even ones that may be hidden. Expose them, Lord Jesus. As a grace from your hand, God, our, our desire is to do what Adam and Eve often did, and that's keep it hidden. But God, expose them, Lord Jesus, 
through the light of your spirit, God, that we could seek you earnestly and be delivered. I mean, this morning the Lord is showing you, even in your mind, you, you see things in your mind that you need to confess to him. These things you haven't thought about before, you need to make confession to the Lord. Don't allow it to become a place of stronghold in your life. Confess it to Jesus. Allow his love to flow. Thank you, Jesus. We exalt your name. We praise you, Lord, for the good things which you have done. Let the things of this earth grow strangely dim as we look upon your glory and grace, O oh Lord. Move among us according to your plan and will. In the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together. Thank you for being a part of Riverstone Church. I hope today's message encouraged you to take a step closer to Christ. If there is anything we can pray for or talk with you about, please visit our website at riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you this week and may you walk in all of his promises and plans for your life.